changes afoot when it comes to the way that, um, well, Canadian military families are subsidized in terms of housing. There's a change being made by Canadian Armed Forces that could result in as many as 7,700 um, military families no longer receiving a certain kind of funding that's in place for a long, long time now, really going back uh, a number of years. They're making a change to it, and it's really coming under fire because people are saying, like I say, almost 8,000 Armed Forces members won't receive this top-up starting this summer. They'll get a new housing benefit that commanders say is going to be better, but military personnel are speaking out on social media and saying they don't think so. They're not happy with it at all, especially with how quickly it's being done and what it's going to mean for them. So let's find out exactly what the situation is here and what some of the concerns are. We're going to chat with Bruce Moncour, who served as a reservist as part of Task Force 306, fought in Operation Medusa, and was a founding member of the Afghanistan Veterans Association of Canada. Bruce, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So let's just bring us up to speed. How does housing work right now when it when it comes to Canadian Armed Forces members? Is it is it would you call it a subsidy or an allowance or what? What's the system that's been in place up until this summer or next summer? I guess it, I, th- I believe it's called a PLF. It's it's a, it's a top up. So if you live in a place like Toronto, that the cost of living is so much higher, they would give you a housing allowance to help supplement the cost of uh, living in a place like Toronto, Vancouver, and other places like that that are so expensive to live. Gotcha. Now, the change is coming in in this July. They won't get that, like you say, a top-up anymore. They're going to get a new housing benefit. Have you been privy to the details on that and how that's going to work and what it's going to look like? So from talking with some of my friends that are still in, um, essentially is some people have been added to the housing allowance, essentially, uh, places like Trenton and, uh, and that, like that hadn't gotten this, uh, before are now receiving this. Others have been taken off and I've heard somewhere like Victoria, uh, has been, have been removed. And the other thing that I'm hearing is that it's only a seven years. You can you can claim this. So if you're posted somewhere, they're only going to pay you for seven years. So it's essentially uh, trying I, the way they a lot of the soldiers feel that it's it's trying to to make them move around a lot more because that once they they do this seven years, then they're going to lose this benefit. So it's almost as if you're trying to prevent these soldiers from creating roots somewhere or trying to live in a certain base for a longer period of time. They're basically trying to get the the military personnel moving around a lot more. Um, Why? What would be the reasoning behind that? Um, I I mean, you know, I don't... Obviously, it's usually a five years that you're posted somewhere. Okay. Okay. But sometimes people get more, and it's it's in terms of careers, they they definitely want you uh, in different areas, different positions, and and things like that. You're always looked like you have a career uh, manager that tries to get you, you know, you, you want to get promoted, and you want to get you know right, moving yeah. up the ranks. So to do that, a lot of times you have to get posted out. And uh, now it looks like they're trying to use the housing. Um, the other thing too is I'm seeing is that the quality of the the, the housing on the sh- uh, on the bases, the shacks, whereas a lot of the privates and corporals live, they're falling apart. Like there is rodent infestation. There's there's water damage. There's there's mold in the, the like. The, there's a real housing crisis for these soldiers. And we talk about a housing crisis in general for Canada yeah. for our First Nations. Well, it's also very much so a crisis for our armed 
uh, services members. Are you hearing a lot of complaints about how quickly this is happening? That's something else I was reading about people saying, boy, yeah. this is happening this summer. I mean, it's just being dropped on us, uh, you know, right out of the blue. Yes. Well, again, so like the people, the soldiers in Victoria just found yeah. out that they're going to lose their housing allowance in a couple of months and just found out last week, two weeks ago. So, I mean, this is not you, you, usually, you know, was it when you move, you give first and last month? Well, I guess, you know, that doesn't apply to a lot of these soldiers. What about the rate of pay? There's also some concern here that the announcement, uh, a 10% pay increase over four years, going back to 2021. So um, they're saying that, that, you know, I mean, that leaves them way behind. Uh, what are you hearing about the pay increase and the way that the pay scales are being set for military members? So I'm hearing that it's it's uh, uh, it's 2% every year up to 10 percent and that's uh eventually so some of the people that got pay increases so spec one didn't get if you're spec one uh, you didn't get the pay increase and they're kind of i guess miffed about it and are talking about it be they could make better money in the uh the private sector working you know especially in the air force a lot of the uh the, the control handlers and things like that maintenance guys feel that it's a better option to go civvy side. So, and especially with a retention problem, yeah, I feel like we're we're, we're making more problems than we're uh, we're pro- solving. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Bruce, because that's sort of the overriding criticism that a lot of people are weighing in and saying, "Listen, you got this housing situation that's upsetting as many as seventy seven hundred members. They may end up, you know, getting something else, but it's changing the way that they do things. The pay increase isn't enough to keep up with what's been going on with the cost of living, and at the same time." There's a real struggle within the armed forces, not only to retain, like you talk about, but to recruit. I mean, it, it doesn't look like it's an attractive proposition for a lot of people right now. Are you seeing that? Well, when you have the equipment that is, you know, they're taking parts out of uh, museums to replace uh, broken ones that we're using. Um, if you get injured, Canadian armed forces service members are the only people in Canada that get a lump sum pension rather than a monthly pension. So there, you know, there's not much incentive to, to fight for your country when your country is not looking, is not going to look after you. And it's, and finally it's, you know, pure patriotism only goes so far. And uh, we're seeing that result now. Um, one of the analysts and experts and ex-military members that I was uh, reading to this weekend, uh, reading about this story this weekend was saying, you know what, this speaks to an overall lack of respect that the Canadian Armed Forces have for the serving members. And this is a sort of a, a feeling that a lot of people that are enlisted, that are that are part of the forces, have been feeling more and more. Are, are, are you seeing the same thing? Are people just starting to feel like, hey, they don't give a damn about us as long as we, you know, we're a warm body. They they don't really care. Is that where we've gotten to in some instances? The divide between the senior leadership and the government has never been greater. And I'm telling you right now, the decade of darkness described as the 90s has nothing on what's going on right now. This is catastrophic. And uh, frankly, I don't see how we as a country, Canada, can protect ourselves or protect others overseas with the current state of our military. What is that? Is that operationally? Is that equipment? Is that troops? Is that leadership? Is it funding or is it all of the above? I think it's everything. It's just a, it's just a giant, just catastrophe of what we're, of a problem. And, uh, it just doesn't seem, seem like the people that are in charge have blinders on. 
we keep hearing all this talk, though, Bruce, right? I mean, we keep hearing different governments talking about the fact that, hey, we're going to recommit to defense. We recognize things on the world stage have changed. We have to be better prepared, blah, 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 blah. You're not seeing it translate to the troops, the people that actually have to do the job? Well, I mean, when, when we're sending the tanks, obviously the Ukrainians need them more, but when we're sending tanks that, you know, we would love to have uh, to Ukraine rather than buying them for ourselves. It kind of speaks to the fact that we've gone without as a Canadian forces for so long. Um, and, you know, the quality isn't there. And, and when, you know, when they're, when the government plays games with say Mark Norman or somebody else, when they try to make sure that the new equipment is procured properly, um, it does leave a bad taste in your mouth. And there's, there's things that, uh, that we as soldiers need to train with. And when you can't even get bullets for the year to, to practice on the range, that this is a really big problem. Is there, is there hope on the horizon, Bruce? I mean, we've heard stories like this. Like you say, the 90s, we were talking about all the problems that were facing the military. I don't know how much better it's gotten in the meantime, but we, we know right now that there's a lot of conversation. I mean, our own, you know, uh, Christian Freeland said, hey, militarily, we're not really much of a factor on the international stage. I mean, is it getting any better? Is there hope on the horizon here, Bruce? No. I honestly, <laughs> I, honestly when, I, when I think it can't get any worse, it, it gets worse. Um, it's just, you know, the Veterans Affairs, you know, they've, they've, in terms of the soldiers being, you know, taken care of after they're done being soldiers, I mean, they've, they've just given that life mark, uh, $500 million of taxpayer money to privatize our uh, Veterans Affairs, um, and the life mark is owned by the people that own Loblaws. And uh, so, yeah, we've just given essentially Loblaws $500 million to privatize our Veterans Affairs. Um, they're offering MAID, and then they're denying they've offered MAID, and they're trying to cover it up. It's not, it's, 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 it's just, you know, incompetency upon incompetency that's bordering on on criminal incompetency as far as i'm concerned and uh it's i don't see how they can pull themselves out and i they're going to need a really strong personality and somebody that really really cares because as far as i'm seeing there's nobody at the table that is really representing the soldiers that need it most there's nobody that, uh, advocating for us and uh, at the table and and, and it's showing you say, is it just money, Bruce? I mean, it sounds to me like it's more than that. It's sort of the way the entire force is, is structured and led, and it's not just about the funding. Obviously, that's a problem. I think we all understand that, and the government's made some commitments to try and improve that, but it sounds to me like it's more than just money here. There, I mean, money is a big factor, and, you know, you got to spend, and sometimes sure. you got to, you know, especially when I go back to that pension problem, the, you know, if you get injured and they're going to give you 250000 to retire on for the rest of your life and you're 22 years old, yep. that doesn't yep. go very far. And, I mean, the Charter of, of Rights and Freedoms says you cannot treat one group differently than anyone else. It's Section 2A, I believe, of the ch Charter. And, I mean, this is clearly a violation of the Charter, but the Supreme Court won't even hear the case. And so... How can we advocate for ourselves when the highest court in the land won't even take our case? And, you know, the, the, the government's lawyers always seem to win. It doesn't matter what we do. Um, that it just seems that we've always come out on the short end of the stick. And people are just tired of it. And people are tired of being treated this way. And why would you continue to be treated this way 
if you don't have to. And like I said, patriotism only goes so far. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And that's what we're sort of banking on at this point. And there has to be more to it, Bruce. And I think you made the case uh, very, very well this morning. Thanks so much for your time.